podcast is brought to you by the good people over at Gamefly. With over 9,000 titles for the PS4, PS3, Xbox One, Xbox 360, Nintendo Switch, Wii, and other consoles, there's no better time for gamers to make the most of their systems by using Gamefly to play all the new and classic games for as little as 32 cents a day. To start your 30-day free trial, head on over to cinemageekly.com slash Gamefly or click the support us link in the show notes for this episode. You're listening to a podcast from the Cinema Geekly Podcast Network. We're the geeks you deserve and the ones you need right now. It's a brand new episode of I'm a Doctor, not a podcast, Cinema Geekly Star Trek podcast. It's the Chief Petty Officer, Anthony Lewis, uh, serving solely aboard the ship of two people with the Fleet Admiral, Ben Knight. Ben, how are you? I'm I'm good, actually. I'm tired, but I'm good. And I'm super, super happy with Star Trek at the moment. Mm-hmm. Me too, mm-hmm. actually. Uh, I, I sort of can't wait to start digging into this episode, so let's just do it, shall we? Let's do it. Uh, Star Trek Discovery, Season 3, Episode 3, People of Earth, directed by one Johnny Frakes. A.K.A. Fatty Riker. <laughs> Big boy Riker. Uh, so after Sahil is unable to locate the Discovery in 3188, Burnham becomes a courier and works with Book. Searching for clues as to the fate of the Federation, she finds a transmission from Admiral uh, Senatal on Earth, yep. but is unable to get there with their limited dilithium. After a year, Discovery does arrive in the future and Burnham finds them. Saru is, uh, essentially becomes captain by two-person committee because he's like, should we talk about this, Michael? And she's like, no, you're the captain. Um and Discovery's dilithium is stored in Book's cloaked ship for safety. Using Discovery's advanced spore drive, they travel to Earth and find it no longer part of the Federation. Investigators from the United Earth Defense Force board Discovery to explain that Tal is dead. They are all attacked by dilithium bandits who the EDF attempt to destroy until Burnham and Book trick the bandits into allowing them to capture their leader, Wen, who is some sort of crazy-looking alien robot-looking thing. I think he was in. I think he was in Daft Punk. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say that sort of reminds me a little bit of Daft Punk. Um, however, when they capture him, they remove the helmet and they show us that Wen is a human, a human part of a group that uh, lives on Titan. Saturn's moon and 
they're like, Earth is like, what the fuck? I thought you guys were just fine over on Titan. What's going on? I'm like, no, we had a really big disaster and we came to our home planet for help. And you guys were so xenophobic and paranoid that you just fired on us right away. You kind of forced us into this position. Uh, in negotiations between Wen and the EDF uh, captain, the two sides realize that they can help each other and prevent further fighting. Also, sort of in the midst of all of this, one of the people from the Earth Defense Force, a young investigator named Adira, reveals that she is in fact the host of Tal's Trill Symbiote and has access to his memories and is going to help them on, uh, on their quest. So Adira leaves with Discovery at the end of the episode. Ben, what did you think of People of Earth? Um, I absolutely loved it. Me and, too. Me uh, too. Like to 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 be like nerd a little bit for a minute. Mm. I mean, we talked last week about the danger of yet again having to set up Discovery. Uh, with this is like the th- I think technically the fourth reboot of Discovery, mm-hmm. and um, the the danger with doing that, of course, as we've already seen and as we've seen in um, in other. Uh, CBS Star Trek shows is that the the pacing can and you know storytelling of uh, how they set stuff up and everything else can be can be glacial mm-hmm. and we were hoping for this to be uh, episodic and uh, everything else but obviously you need some build up here yep. and this episode contained it contained a little bit of everything so like our Swiss cheese um trill uh, okay so like the whole thing about the trill is like just about known about within the original discovery timeline but it's before the dark secret of the trill is is made public um, that anyone can be a host yes yeah absolutely and in fact um the evil emperor uh, has been keeping that secret in the discovery timeline for quite a while as you'll know from the books if you read those mm. um so there's all that but then that gives you your partial narrative to the stuff that's gone on in in the meantime, because mm. we've now got you know a sort of a long stack of Starfleet-based memories to to dig into, but you know it won't contain all the answers. So there's a great plot device in there. Um, we've got the continuation of the book version of um, uh, of Michelle Yeoh. Yep. Oh God! Why Giorgio. is it going out my brain? Georgia, thank you. <laughs> yep. uh, we've got the book version of her um, continuing now on screen, and this is something I've talked about before, and I'll, I'll talk about again. Unlike any point really in Star Trek history where the books have been either way off canon or have been sort of just incidental stuff, this is a, an integrated universe, and it's becoming so much clearer that that's what it is because a lot of things about her character that are just throwaway lines and glances are obvious to the casual viewer, I guess, mm-hmm. but have way more meaning if you, uh, if you've read if you're reading the books. And I love the fact that, um, Michelle Yeoh is, is clearly well aware from the way she just the little tiny bits of her behavior in this. She's clearly well aware of what the, the rest of, um, her story is yeah. within the wider universe so if you i can't stress it enough if you haven't been following the discovery books get on that because this is it adds so much value to this mm-hmm. um 
we're seeing like more of the crew together. We had the um, finally the cheesy crew shot that normally comes in episode one of Star Trek franchises. We now had it yep. uh, here un- underneath the tree at, uh, at San Francisco. Um, th- there's so much about this. This is beautiful. The we know that we've got a year of perhaps slightly graying of uh, of the boundaries stuff, the blurring of the boundaries with um, uh, with Burnham, and that creates the bridge between the wild card <laughs> evil emperor and um the more starfleet than starfleet uh, saru um yep. there's so much about that that, that that is artful but this and this is the thing for me i wonder whether this is a combination of some very good tight writing and excellent direction but I, everyone knows i'm not the biggest fan of uh, Riker, but mm-hmm. frakes is there, I don't think there's been a better director in Star Trek history, to be fair. Yeah. And he's so committed to this universe. Um, so what you've got is all of that tied together in a not an exposition episode. I mean, it is, but it's not the primary focus. The no. The primary focus of this episode is the episodic r- sort of storytelling of... I mean, people are treating it like a B-plot, but it isn't. It is the story. Yes. is how we're p- piecing back together... Um, starting right back at Sector One, mm-hmm. um, we're piecing back together the earliest parts of the Federation, and this ship behaves in the way that a Federation ship through all of the franchises would do yes. in this situation. Um, all of that with the right pacing, where it's tied up in one episode, mm-hmm. and we know we're moving on, is 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 bloody glorious. Yeah, um, and the Oh, Sorry, go oh no! I was gonna go. In, I, I was uh, anticipating your your conclusion. So no, go ahead. <laughs> um, I, I mean, yeah. So the, the, the I did find it weird. There's so many British accents in um, in space at the moment. A lot, uh, of them, in, yes. Yeah, and I it, it, uh, I forget the name of the actress who played our um, uh, Earth Defense Force uh, commander, but mm-hmm. uh, she she will. I had, oh crikey I knew this a week ago when I looked into it she was in um, Doctor Who and I can't remember which episode I think she was in Unit which oh. feels beautifully kind of slotty in because that's kind of what Unit would be in mm-hmm. the new age of Star Trek as well yeah. um, all of that and it's managing to do it without being um, too uh, too po-faced and without being too Ridiculous. Um, we know that David Ajala's character is uh, is going to be back. He's obviously going to be a recurring character because there's obviously you know unfinished business of whatever him and Burnham have been up to, both in terms of their relationship, but also in terms of some dubious shit they have no doubt been involved in in the course yeah. of the last year. Yeah. And do you know what? Um, we now understand the spore drive. Obviously, I don't think it was planned that there would be such a beautiful plot device as it is here, but we now know that the spore drive is pretty much their secret weapon because otherwise this ship is basically just a great big sitting duck. Yes. Um, as we discovered rather brutally in this episode. Yeah. Um, so we now know the spore drive gives them the one advantage that they actually need to still be a viable mm-hmm. sort of, you know, transit for this thing. Um, I mean, they are playing utterly fast and loose with the notion of it, and we're ignoring all the problems with the spore drive that um, we know exist. And again, in the yeah. wider universe, cutting there through spore country, uh, absolutely cutting across their plane of existence, absolutely, and getting all that sort of messed nah, up. Forget about uh, that. They're yeah, good. Absolutely. They're good with it. They they had an issue, but they straightened it out. I, I still want to know what the crack is with Grudge, because um, that cat. There's something else to that cat. 
Um, and then finally, I, I just think you can't really finish mentioning anything about this episode without pointing out the the universal truth that cake is eternal. It, it is. <laughs> there was a great line in this episode. Um, they, I mean, you kind of hit all the points I wanted to hit. They did, they balanced the line between doing an episodic version of Star Trek and doing an overarching story at the same mm. time. And I think they handled it masterfully. This felt like not just like an old episodic episode of Star Trek, but this just felt like for people who have been complaining that Discovery wasn't Star Trek enough for them, this felt very traditional Star Trek. And the messaging is obviously very timely that the Federation has lost its way. Earth has lost its way. Look how it treats its own people. Um, It's so paranoid. It's so defensive. It's almost like they could be talking about a country or two, Ben, in today's landscape. I know. Uh, I Now, that hear me out. That I, gives me hope that the old guard are in hiding somewhere. <laughs> uh, I mean, now, hear me out, uh, but I think it is plausible to use science fiction uh, as a means uh, to tell stories about the present day, but mask them with aliens and battles and uh, and fantasy but still it's get communism <laughs> um I, th- I thought this was beautiful i i loved it i was so happy when the alien turned out to just be a human and the human mm. is like yeah i know we've been gone for a while we were over hanging out by saturn but we had like this big disaster and when we came to you for help you were not willing to help us and like we're we're you guys like this is where we come from. And discovery too was like, this is for most of our crew, this is their home planet. And you, you would turn us away. Uh, and earth had become too defensive, uh, allowed itself to become too paranoid. Um, and they just got too precious over their dilithium. And I, it was, this was like the beginning and how did they fix it? Ben, in the most Star Trekian way of all time, they took the two of them into a conference room and yep. they discussed their matter and they reached an agreement. And uh, but only with the touch of a little Philippa Jorge magic. <laughs> yes, yes, uh, she's persuasive. I love her. She's tremendous. So much. She's tremendous. Um, but yeah, this. This was all lovely. They went down to San Francisco. We got to see that shot you see in all Star Trek of San Francisco, uh, of the Golden Gate Bridge and where Starfleet Academy used to be. I don't know what is there now. Starfleet's not on Earth anymore. But I presume it's like just apartments. I mean, it's always... Just <laughs> That's what it always turns yeah. into, right? Uh, yeah. It's affordable housing. Um, yeah. Got to keep those out of the suburbs, though, Ben. Uh, you don't want to scare the locals. Yeah. by bringing in criminals and whatnot. Um, I will say this about the about that shot, actually. It's mm-hmm. the one moment, because, I mean, we've said countless times about Discovery and about Picard that Star Trek these days is crazy pretty. Mm-hmm. And I, Didn't I hold up to you as, as well. Well, uh, the whole episode did, except that shot. That I shot? Can't figure out, yeah, and I can't figure out if it was, because it was very artfully created, mm-hmm. and the, the camera work they did with it um, was you know technically beautiful but i i couldn't believe that it it 
jarred so badly with the rest of the the effects until it just occurred to me i wonder if it was a deliberate slight kind of tnging down of the effects to yeah, make yeah. it feel more nostalgic maybe uh, or I mean, maybe I mean, they just ran out of budget <laughs> maybe well and actually, don't forget this season of Discovery. Um, much of its effects have been done in people's basements at home, and stuff. literally so in house. Yeah. yeah. So I, I didn't. I couldn't figure it out. If it was a nostalgic play, then that just goes to show the art with which the show is now being made. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's a happy coincidence, then it is very much a happy coincidence. Yeah. Um, happy to see them reintroduce the concept of trails. We have seen, of course, a human carry a trail before. Riker did it, obviously our director. Uh, mm-hmm. He did it, although he wasn't able to do it for a long period of time. But that was sort of before they figured out the lore around trails in Star Trek. So, mm-hmm. uh, And I'm sure medical science has advanced a little bit uh, since the time that Riker carried the trail symbiote. Uh, but I, th- point. I think this is really interesting. And of course, we should probably mention uh, a first for Star Trek here as um, the actor portraying Adira is non-binary, which I think is the f- a first for uh, Star Trek as well, I think, other yeah. than having an episode where they had non-binary aliens once. Um, I, I think the best thing about that is that it's both simultaneously a big deal mm-hmm. and also not like as a member of the queer community i find it so irritating mm-hmm. that like visibility to people in media production seems to mean the same thing to a lot of people as um like all of all of the tropes yep um, i mean for a very long time i thought it was impossible to be gay and on television or film mm-hmm. without sooner or later dying of aids yeah uh, because that's all that was allowed to happen yep um kill your gays the ultimate trope um but the the beautiful thing about this admittedly only in one episode and everything else is that um the only thing i could find that was slightly tropey about it mm-hmm. was the fact that you've got um the only or one of two actually openly gay characters in the episode becoming like the the sort of mentor or the sort of touchstone i guess for um the on the face of a non-binary character Mm -hmm. and also a bit surprised to hear sort of assume pronouns from from tilly but that is me being like uber uber picky about it yes and the only reason i'm being picky about it is because i was delighted by the fact that the it was visibly obvious it wasn't presented as mere androgyny it was mm-hmm. it was presented as non-binary yep it's visibility but without it being like a big deal i hope i hope they they are able to keep the temptation out of their hands for the next mm-hmm. no doubt like at least four seasons of the show yeah and and not fall into the traps but well done on on this first um outing right. <laughs> so to speak uh, g- good work, really good work. Uh, so, final thoughts on People of Earth, and what would you give it, Ben? Mm. Uh, final thoughts. Uh, I, my excitement continues to build, and it's not just Saru's sweaters. Uh, <laughs> I, I love so much about this. It makes a bold promise looking at the future, which is Burnham's line: uh, "We didn't give everything for this version of uh, of the future, and I'll be damned if I let it stand." Yep. I, I mean that's. Uh, uh, that felt a bit grandiose, but hey, everyone's going to have ambition in Starfleet. Yeah, it's Trek. Um, uh, everything else about it, I 
absolutely love I'm so excited about this season and I've noticed that the noise around Discovery is getting quieter in terms of the 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 sort of doomers. Morning. yeah 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 um I, I looking ahead as well we know that um uh that frakes is responsible for at least two more episodes it may be more incidentally but at least two more episodes in this season um I, i'm loving the writing uh, that we're getting here as well from bo young kim particularly uh, and again uh i think responsible for another two episodes in this series mm-hmm. uh, everything about this is good uh, so i'm gonna be bold as hell and say that three episodes into season three of discovery and this is going to get a oh four and three quarters from me oh wow mm-hmm. very nice uh i also too found myself a little reserved uh i was so happy with this episode i immediately wanted to give it a five but i didn't mm-hmm. um i reserved myself to a four and a half uh, I sort of forgot about doing the quarters. Otherwise, I would have gone four and three quarters. I guess I can now. It's my show. Whatever. Four and three quarters. Yeah. Uh, but I loved <laughs> this episode. Um, yeah. It was everything I was kind of hoping Discovery was going to be from the get-go. And yeah. the thing, it was one of the things that I was really hoping when I heard the idea for this season. And I'm glad that they're starting to do it. And I am very excited for the next episode. Um, so everybody uh that's what i'm gonna do i'm gonna stop talking to ben and i'm gonna (laughs) sit in a chair and eagerly wait for the next episode to appear uh on my cbs all access app uh so yes i will wait literally for days and do nothing else um might be worth it though might be worth it uh considering everything i don't know if there's anything important going on otherwise but sit, sit sit in your chair and read the books a very good suggestion Mm. Um, okay, so uh, that is the podcast for this week. Head on over to cinemageekly.com where you can check out the archives of the show. And of course, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Just search for I'm a Doctor, not a podcast. Hit subscribe, and that way you can come back next time and listen to us talk about more Discovery Season 3, Episode 4, called Forget Me Not. <laughs> <laughs>